All right, so welcome back to the program, everybody. Uh, it's Friday. It's uh, approaching noon central time here. Uh, we thank you for joining us on this beautiful day. It is uh, the rain seems to have cleared up here a little bit in Chicago. Still uh, foggy. And it, uh, Zach told me today that it, it is the foggiest it has ever been in the USA the last four days by percentage of counties with dense fog. Is that true? Apparently. No way. So stay safe, everyone, with this fog. I know down south it's a little bit worse and a little bit more muggy so hope everyone's uh driving and being safe yeah yeah, yeah of course um so we recorded a new episode of the deep fade with zach elliott on and that should be out on all platforms right now so um the guys were in there cooking earlier this morning so that is out give that a listen we got a lot of hockey to uh get down to a little business to get down to um Lots of games last night. We had nine games last night. There's four. We're going to set you up for a lovely weekend. Four games tonight, 14 on Saturday. And then it slows down uh, heading into the next week before the All-Star break. We got two games on Sunday. So we'll talk about that. We'll uh, discuss a little bit of um, what happened last night. There were uh, quite a few exciting games. Edmonton uh, extends their winning streak to 15 games. And um, they're two off the record. Uh, They're tied currently with the... 2012 2013 penguins and the 81 82 aisles and they are trying to make history and that was a good game last night the chicago blackhawks don't score again which was not entirely indicative of how the blackhawks played i would say they um calvin pickard was really solid his fifth career shutout um but the hawks did more to generate offense than they have in previous games even when they scored two against the kraken the night before And coming off the second half of a back-to-back, the Hawks looked pretty good. And if we're putting all of our chips on the table, we know that the Hawks' roster design is, let's say, not the best on purpose. And um, it's, it's very difficult when your general manager, you know in that locker room that you don't maybe have the best collection of talent. Obviously, you're missing Connor Bedard, but the guys in the room know that they have a job to get done. And, um, you know, these guys are fighting for spots. They're fighting for jobs, future contracts. And um, Mackenzie Entwistle has been very good. I know he's kind of the butt end of a lot of jokes around the city here, but he was very good. Um, he almost scored on the penalty shot. He's got a nice hard shot on him, almost scored one in the first period. He rang one off the post. So, um there's, there's bits and pieces to like if you're the Hawks, right? There are um, some players that, like I said, are shining through. Peter Morazic was really solid again, um, rewarding the Hawks for that new two-year extension that I actually just uh, figured out was a raise for Peter Morazic. So, and it is a deserved raise because you hear guys talk about, um, is it worth it? You know, like, is he is he worth that amount of money? Is Nick Foligno worth that amount of money? And Relative to their skill sets across the league, Peter Mrazek may not be a $4 million goaltender, but when you're asked to be the starting goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks, you are worth $4 million a year, regardless of the situation and where you are relative to your peers in the league. If you are the starting netminder and you're going to play 55, maybe even 60 games, I don't know if Peter Mrazek is going to get to 60 because they do have Arvid Soderblom there too that they have been giving the net to and hoping that he develops a bit more and it's a bit difficult to develop when you're watching games from the bench. Um, But having Peter Morazic around has clearly been a nice um, 
safety net, let's say, for the Blackhawks. And uh, But the real story of the day is obviously the Edmonton Oilers and their win streak. Connor McDavid was really, really good again. I mean, I think we're just getting to that point with Connor McDavid where we do have a um, Art Ross battle for the ages with uh, Nathan McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov trading the, the scoring lead in the NHL back and forth amongst themselves. But Connor McDavid, everybody, I would not be surprised if eventually Connor McDavid shoots his way up to the top of the NHL scoring list. We shall see about that. Edmonton will host Nashville on Saturday afternoon, gunning for 16 in a row. Um, so we're going to stick in Alberta here before venturing off to the rest of the league because it was a very nice night in Calgary. Um, Oliver Shillington played his first game in 20 months for um, after taking a break for mental health reasons and um it, that was a really exciting atmosphere you could tell um probably only to be matched by the uh return of patrick Watt of montreal but um calgary drops that one five to two to the columbus blue jackets um adam fantilli with the empty netter um and it was a great play by alex texier on the game winning goal shorthanded first shorty of the year for the cbj and um but just a really nice play. He hits it off the iron and corrals a nice rebound and puts it right in himself. Very, really, really good goal. And things are tough in Calgary. They, um, they've lost AJ Greer to an ankle injury that has not been announced the amount of time that he will miss, but it did not look good. And they also lost two players on waivers, Adam Ruzica to the Arizona Coyotes. He had nine points in 39 games and Nick DeSimone, he had a five point defenseman. Nick DeSimone had five points in 25 games. He had a goal for the Calgary flames. And, um, he it's, it's a little difficult in Calgary when you lose two players off waivers like that. Um, it definitely, you're, you're missing some pieces. They had to call up, um, Walker Dewar from the Wranglers, AHL. And, uh, do we have the Tanev clip ready to go, Raven? Of course. Yeah, here's Chris Tanev talking about the loss last night to the CBJ. How frustrating is it knowing that you've had the struggles you have as a group at home? Yeah, it's unacceptable. I mean, four straight losses at home when you're trying to make the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, yeah, same as last game, up 3-1, end of the second, tied 2-2, end of the second. We, we find a way to give up leads and, and let the other team uh, take the game to us. Energy was what uh, Michael Backlund said earlier, but on a night when a guy like Oliver comes back and there is a little energy, I imagine that's also frustrating knowing that you guys weren't able to find it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, as I said, unacceptable. Lose four straight at home um, to teams that we need to beat. Um, just We need to regroup and get ready to play a lot better game on Saturday. Can you please? So that was Chris Tanev on the Calgary Flames' recent struggles. They've uh, lost four straight at home after looking really solid last week. At the at the end of last week, it was um, it's a tough go in Calgary. I don't. What do you think about that clip, Raven? It's kind of a tough one. Yeah, I mean, it feels like just dejected you know yeah i mean he feels defeated you can just hear it in his voice like he doesn't want to be answering these questions right now obviously that's kind of a given in that situation but like he was saying when you got a teammate coming back after a long time you know it's a little weird when you get this energy and then you're supposed to be playing well and supposed to be a championship contending team like 
It just doesn't look good as no. a team. No, it doesn't. And um, yeah, so Oliver Shillington, I uh, just wanted to really take a moment for him. We, t- we talked a little bit about it when he was down with the Wranglers playing some games and um, his return to professional hockey in North America. Um, but Adam Huska put him in the starting lineup yesterday, uh, head coach of the Calgary Flames. And um, Ryan Huska? Ryan Huska. Sorry about that. And... Um, the he didn't really have to do that and you could tell Oliver Shillington was very um appreciative of it and you could just tell that he is very happy that he was there there was talks that he even had friends and family there um from Sweden that came in um meant a lot to him like I said 20 months off the ice do we have the Shillington clip too yeah yeah let's go to that or does it blow you away that this fan base has kind of been supporting you and rooting for you the way they have. I know that's not lost on you. Yeah, I mean, this was nothing I could ever expect. So uh, when you see uh, people writing to you, people sharing for you, applauding you, uh, it really touches you in, in, in a way where I wasn't expecting. So um, it means a lot. But uh, like I said, uh, I want to win. So um, yeah, we have to look for it for Saturday. Saturday night, the Calgary Flames will take on the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll see if Chicago can get one by Jacob Markstrom. Um, If he is indeed the starter on Saturday night, we shall see. Um, But Oliver Shillington, really good. It's going to take him some games, obviously, to get back into the swing of things. He only played 13 minutes last night playing with Jordan Osterley. So um, just you could tell he's very appreciative of the support that he's gotten. Obviously, the the fans gave him a standing ovation when he was announced in the starting lineup. So... Um, good for Shillington to be back in action. I'm sure the Flames are happy to have him back. It definitely boosts their decor. Um, just wanted to toss out that uh, Mackenzie Wieger scored again, third straight game with a goal for him. So their defense core, you know, you got Chris Tanev. If Shillington can really get back into a nice groove, I know you lost Simone on waivers, but um, the defense should be very good for Calgary. That should be the strength of the team. Um, and obviously Jonathan Huberdeau was tossed for his hit on Jack Roslevic. That was a... That was a nasty one. You could tell that immediately he kind of knew that um, he had caught him the wrong way, and there was a quite a bit of blood coming off Jack Raslovic's face. He seemed um, no worse for the wear, that the the injuries were merely uh, appearance and not, not so much uh, pain. But um, like I said, the Calgary Flames will host Chicago on Saturday. We'll see if uh, Jonathan Huberdeau faces any supplemental discipline. I don't know if he will. Um, but we'll see about that. And the other large return last night, um, was the return of Patrick Waugh to the Bell Center in Montreal. And that was a loud ovation during the Canadian National Anthem. I didn't really know how it was going to be, um, demonstrated by the fans that they were happy to have Patrick back, but it was, they, they played a highlight clip of him during the Canadian National Anthem, which I thought was a really nice touch. And the Montreal Canadiens spoil his return to the Bell Center. Cole Caulfield was arguably the best player on the ice last night in that game. He had the highlight of the night with the goal that made it 2-0. He had an assist later on. Nick Suzuki was really good. Uri Slavkovsky's been playing a lot better on that top line. So um, that was really good. And, you know, if you're the for the Islanders, it's a tough loss. They um, probably hoped to provide a bit more of a spark for their coach in his return to a city that you could clearly tell I, I don't know if you're the Islanders players, how you couldn't tell how much that meant to him. Um, but it was a very emotional game nonetheless. And um, the Islanders dropped that one. So they are now one and two 
with Patrick Waugh behind the bench. And uh, Brendan Gallagher, speaking of guys getting tossed, that was a nasty elbow to the head of Adam Pellick. Um, it was announced this morning that uh, Brendan Gallagher will have a phone hearing with the National Hockey League um, Department of Player Safety. So it means that that will only carry a maximum of five games, potentially. I'm not here to judge, but if I had to guess, I would assume that Gallagher gets the full five games for that elbow to the head of Pellick. Um, we don't have an injury update on Adam Pellick, but it did not look good. So we'll see about that one. I, um, I'm a bit surprised that it wasn't an in-person hearing for Brendan Gallagher, but it won't be. So the Montreal Canadiens get away with a 4-3 win. Um, they will be in Pittsburgh on Saturday. So, um, and the Islanders will host Florida on Saturday as well. And those two teams will meet again once more at the Bell Center on April 10th. So, uh, that was a really good game though. That was probably the game of the night when I didn't really anticipate it. I had game of the night being the Red Wings and the Flyers. The Red Wings really took care of that one 3-0 over the Flyers. Adam Lyon was really excellent in that game. And, um, but yeah, that, that was probably game of the night there, the Habs and the uh, the Isles. Um, like I said, four games tonight. We got the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Rangers. Four games tonight, and they're all awesome. Like, those are all going to be really good games. Like I said, Vegas at the Rangers. Um, you got the Florida Panthers in Pittsburgh taking on the Penguins. That should be a good one. Um, we'll see if Florida can keep rolling. We know Pittsburgh wants to get back on track and really string some win- wins together for themselves. Um, Kings at the Avalanche tonight, that should be a good one, especially, uh, you know, we heard Drew Doughty talk yesterday about the, the cookie night against the Buffalo Sabres that did not end up being a cookie night. So, um, we'll see how the Kings respond to that, what kind of team response you get, and we'll see if anybody can stop Nathan McKinnon. We'll see if, uh, Mikey Anderson or Drew Doughty, even himself can get a, get a stick, get a body, get anything on Nathan McKinnon, which has been a near impossible task for the rest of the National Hockey League this year, really. And um, even in just like the last few games. Um, And it seems like nobody can stop Nathan McKinnon at home. He has a point in every single home game this season, so we'll see if that extends tonight. And then the nightcap is the St. Louis Blues in Seattle taking on the Kraken. Um, That'll also be a pretty good one, too. I know a lot of people probably aren't anticipating that game as much as the other three on tap tonight. But uh, that should be a really good one. And then 14 games on Sunday, that's the most busy NHL day we'll have for a while. I'm not going to read off every single game right now, but um, definitely some good ones there. Um, and a quiet quiet Sunday, only two games. The uh, the Kraken will host the Blue Jackets, and the Kings will host the Blues on Sunday. So uh, a, a nice quiet evening on, Saturday, on Sunday as we gear up for a nice week. And then one, two, and three games, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So a very quiet week in the NHL. You get... More games on Saturday than Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday combined. So um, we'll we'll still have some hockey to talk about. We're going to bring on some different people next week. Like I said, Nathan Scheibe is going to come on on Monday, and we're going to we're going to ask Avery Lewis McDougal to kind of tee us up for the All Star Game too a little bit later in the week. So um, we'll still have plenty of hockey to talk about, and content will be coming your way. But um, busy weekend in the National Hockey League. I'm really looking forward to tonight. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Um, I do think the Oilers are going to extend their win streak to 16 games, and we're going to spend the entire All-Star break talking about if they're going to be able to match it against their um, their return to uh, from the All-Star break against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, 
I guess the big news of the day outside of the Oilers uh, is Owen Tippett getting an eight-year extension with the Philadelphia Flyers, 6.2 AAV. That is $49.6 million if you are counting at home. He has 30 points, 18 goals, 12 assists in 46 games this season. None better than that um, that spinorama goal that we saw a few weeks ago, or that might have been last week, but that was an excellent goal. You can tell that Owen Tippett's really thriving in John Tortorella's system. And remember, that was a player that when they acquired him from the Florida Panthers in that Claude Giroux deal, there were a lot of questions as to if Owen Tippett was a John Tortorella-style player. But you can tell that John Tortorella really has a liking for this guy. Um, he's physically asserting himself in the league amongst his peers, which I'm, I can almost assure you makes Tortorella very happy. Um, the fact that he's gaining more confidence offensively with the puck on his stick is also a good sign. I think this is a good contract for Philly. For Philly. This uh, A lot of people from the outside might say that this is a bit of an early overpayment for this kind of player, but... Um, I don't think Owen Tippett has done anything but show that he's continuing to grow into this kind of player. And um, if he develops further, this contract is going to be a steal for the Flyers, especially for a team that is rebuilding. I know they're closer to the cap now than a rebuilding team might suggest. And keep in mind, we call this a rebuilding team with the Philadelphia Flyers, but they are currently second in the Metropolitan Division. So um, it is definitely a... um, a good contract to have. Uh, I, I assume more contract space is going to open up as the um, as the season or as the seasons go by for Philly. Um, you know, some pieces are going to stick around, some pieces aren't. We know that Danny Briere has talked about understanding full well of the big picture here in Philadelphia, and that not every single game is going to be. The way that you envision, obviously, they lose yesterday. They they really did outplay the Detroit Red Wings on home ice yesterday. And um, it was just, I don't even want to say the goaltending. I just want to say, I guess, the high-end skill of the Red Wings that ended up um, overpowering the Flyers last night. And, um, yeah, I, I, there's just got to be a full understanding of where the Flyers are and knowing that it's not just all about the season they are having. They do have a great record. They We'll take on the Boston Bruins on Saturday afternoon. That should be a really good matchup, too. Um, The Bruins coming off an overtime win against the Ottawa Senators yesterday. Another game-winning goal for Brad Marchand in overtime. But um, for Philly, you know, Danny Briere knows that he's not going to get ahead of himself. Even if the Flyers rip off 45 wins by the end of the season, um, there's still an understanding that this is a team that is still very early on and it's... Uh, winning cycle that they are still awaiting on top prospects like um, Matt Vyamichkov to come over from the KHL. And that's going to be a really exciting time for Philly whenever that happens. Um, but it, it, it is good to see that these pieces of a new core in Philadelphia are starting to identify themselves and that Danny Breer is not afraid to lock them up long term once he, they've been identified. So uh, Owen Tippett, eight-year extension, 6.2 AAV. That'll kick in next season. Um what else we got? So uh, PWHL announced. I don't know if this was announced officially by the PWHL. I might be uh, just saying things here. But uh, 2-16, February 16th, the Toronto will take on Montreal. And that game will be played at Scotiabank Arena. And the hope and the thought is that that game might also challenge the uh, the Minnesota game earlier that broke the attendance record. Because... It's Toronto. It'll be a big game, and um, you'll have Montreal in town, and that should be a big one. So um, 
We didn't talk about the PWHL yesterday, but uh, we had two games on Wednesday. Boston beat Ottawa 3-2, to two, and Montreal beat Minnesota 2-1. to one. Elaine Shuley was fantastic in that game. 45 saves, and um, I don't know that we've seen a better goaltending performance yet in the PWHL so far. That was excellent. So um, the PWHL will have four games this weekend. They'll have uh, tonight. We got uh, New York and Toronto. That should be a good one. Um Ottawa will be in Montreal on Saturday. So will Minnesota will be in Boston. One game on Sunday, Minnesota at New York. So back-to-back for Minnesota there. And then we got a week off of the PWHL. The girls got a nice week off. They will uh, play again next Saturday. So we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Maybe we'll get somebody in also to break down a little bit of the PWHL for us. Um, the physicality has just been really, really intense. We all saw the the hit by Marie-Philippe Poulin on Taylor Heisey. That was a big one, everybody. Um, and the, the, the funny thing about it is that there were no, um, not that there was a fight yet. Obviously we haven't seen a fight, but you see a lot. There's been a lot of discussion in the NHL this year and, and in years past, but more and more the idea that, um, players have to stick up for even clean hits nowadays. And that, that there are a lot of clean hits where they result in a fight afterward, but, what we're seeing in the PWHL, obviously, like I said, there the the culture of fighting is not in women's hockey like it is in men's hockey, and it's not the National Hockey League. I understand that, but the fact that we can have these big confrontations, these big hits, without I guess a post whistle mix up is uh, it's nice to see. So um, there's a good article on Sportsnet that just came out uh, this morning about the. Uh, increased physicality in the PWHL. It's a really good read. I would definitely um, read that if um, you've got some time on your hands. And uh, yeah, so like I said, four games around the the P-Dub this weekend. I will be tuning into all of them. They've been nothing but great hockey so far. Um, Another thing, uh, so international hockey, we have seen, we're hoping to get, um, Raven and I were talking off air that I, I didn't really know that they did this when it came to the Olympics, but they do estimated medal counts when it comes to the Olympics. I thought that was pretty interesting. The U S is projected to win the Olympics. I don't know if you really win the Olympics, but, um, they're projected to have the most medals out of anybody. And, um, so we're getting, Closer and closer to the next Winter Olympics in Milan and Cortina in Italy. And we're all hoping for NHL participation there. But for those of you that might not know, the the Youth Olympics are going on right now. The 2024 Youth Olympics are going on in South Korea. And um, there is ice hockey in the Youth Winter Olympics. And the way that it works is that they take the top however many teams. I think it's eight or ten teams. And those teams play five on five. And if you look at a lot of the NHLers, you know that a lot of um, youth Olympians in the past in the five on five hockey, and I say five on five hockey because I'll get to the the other form in a second here. But in the five on five hockey, if you look at some of the countries like Canada and the United States, a lot of those players and Russia, even a lot of those players do end up having successful hockey careers. A lot of them are in the NHL right now or... um, yeah, a lot of them are in the NHL right now. So the last Winter Olympic, the last Youth Winter Olympics was 2020. So, um, but the way they've done it now with hockey is they take the top, however many countries, eight or ten. I, I don't have the exact number right in front of me, but those teams play five on five, and then they take the next grouping of countries, and those countries for this time, for the first time, have played three on three. And I think it's really interesting. You obviously see in international basketball that three on three is becoming more of a thing. 
Um, obviously, three on three is how we decide overtime here in uh, pro hockey. There is a professional three three on three league called Three Ice. I don't know what the the true status of that is. I've had some friends of mine play in that league and. Um, I don't know what the plans are for this season when it comes to three ice. I would assume that they will take to the ice again this summer. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that they are trying to give opportunities to these countries. A lot of the scores were very lopsided in the Winter Olympic, the Youth Winter Olympics with the three-on-three hockey. Latvia won the men's gold, and Hungary won the um, the women's. But it's the first time that they've done it with the countries too. The last time when they did, when they tried this in 2020, they mixed all the teams together. So you had kids from all sorts of different countries playing on different teams and they just coordinated by color. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that was really interesting. But now with the countries, you're kind of seeing, um, that it allows these countries to know articulately where they need to grow and how they need to develop and what the exact disparity might be between them and some of these other countries. Like I said, a lot of the scores were pretty lopsided. So um, you see where the growth needs to take place. But I also think that the ability to do a three-on-three under-16 tournament at the um, Youth Winter Olympics with the countries that aren't in that top group of um, hockey nations, I think it's really exciting. I think it's very cool. I think it's a nice opportunity for a lot of these players that maybe wouldn't or maybe won't even because like I said it's under 16 and with some of these countries like Spain and Great Britain that were playing in the three-on-three tournament some of these kids may never have another opportunity to wear their country's colors so um nice for them I think that was cool I think the uh the five-on-five gets underway in a little while um so we'll we'll keep a light eye on that I won't admit I'm not watching all these games but um it's it's nice to see the growth of hockey internationally and i will always do whatever i can to try and highlight those things um what else we got the uh the nhl just released their stadium series jerseys for uh the games that will be taking place on february 17th and february 18th uh flyers at devils in the first matchup and then rangers and islanders in the second i'm trying to send these jerseys to raven because i want his opinion on what they look like i thought they were pretty cool um some people don't really think as much, I will say. Um, I think they're really cool. I really like the New York Rangers one. I like the Philadelphia Flyers one. I think that one's pretty clean. The uh, The Devils is very highlighted, I will say. Very devilish. Very, I was going to say, it fits the theme really well. Like it, the black and red and then just all black logo with the red. Uh, I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I like the New York Rangers, just the NYR. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I think the NHL, too, when it comes to these outdoor game jerseys, they're starting to understand that the the visuals for the fans is very difficult, right? So when you get more intricate with the design, and it, it doesn't really do much for the, the fan in the building, right? They can't really see all the intricacies of the design. But when you got just got, like, the Islanders just says aisles and big letters right across from it, I think that's a little different than what we've seen even a traditional hockey jersey look like but i think that's really cool you're not going to obviously mistake which team is which but um it does a lot i think for the fan in the building that might be seated a little bit farther away than a traditional hockey game so uh cool jerseys those should be both really good matchups too especially because all these teams are having pretty good seasons um and like i said we'll get patrick wah behind the bench in an outdoor game that should be pretty fun um and in a battle with the Rangers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to keep it short here today. I um, Not not a lot of hockey news to uh, to talk about. Um, 
Uh, I do actually want to just spend a minute talking about this, um, this battle between Nathan McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov. Um, Nikita Kucherov obviously had another three-point night, ho-hum for him. And in this battle of just who will finish first, we um, we have Nikita Kucherov sitting atop the league right now. But I'm sure that will change after tonight with Nathan McKinnon taking on the LA Kings. So um, that'll do it for us here today. We're going to cut it earlier early. Go give a listen to the deep fade with Zach Elliott. Those guys did a good job. They went for a while today. So um, give that a good listen. There's uh, NFL playoff games this weekend, right? So um, I'm sure they did a good job covering that. I think they got some new coaches around the NFL. So um, that is very exciting. Uh, Give that a listen. I'm going to give it a listen right after I hop off here. And I hope everybody has a lovely weekend. We'll be back to uh, sit you all up for a lovely all-star week ahead. And um, yeah, I hope everybody has a great day and a great weekend. Bye, everyone.